Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Calm Collective Podcast. Today, we are going deep into a conversation surrounding grief and the grieving experience of someone specific who I met through Instagram. Her story is oh, so impactful and so important to share here because Gina just started her grieving experience and she lost her dad 13 years ago. And so I think it just really goes to show how much grief isn't linear and there is no wrong way to go about and to navigate your own experience and your own process. As Gina says, you are right on time. And that just gave me so many chills when she spoke that out loud because it just couldn't be more true. Where you are right now within this grieving experience or showing up for somebody in their grieving experience, you are right on time and you are doing the best that you can. These po- these podcast episodes are so special to me because I truly want them to be a place for those who are grieving and also those who are supporting those who are grieving just to give us a little bit more self-awareness as to how different every situation can be and how we can all show up, not just for ourselves, but for each other to make this experience and to make this life-altering adjustment, if you will, feel more natural and just so supported and not something that we have to suppress or tiptoe around or only talk about in therapy and then nowhere else. It's a place of safety and vulnerability and hopefully allowing those who are aching to be seen and heard and validated. So before we jump into this episode, if you feel called, please feel free to go over to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you feel called to do so, you can leave a rating and review on iTunes. It is so impactful for the organic growth of this podcast to help it land into the laps of those who might need it most. I so appreciate your support and generosity, and this is my favorite way to show up. It is such a healing mechanism for me, and I really get so much, so much from recording these episodes and from sitting down with different people from all over the world, sharing their stories, and then getting to share them with you. It is not lost on me how lucky I am to be able to share these experiences and to also just really open up myself and to have it land somewhere. Um, You guys have been so incredible as we hit season five, the beginning of season five, and I'm just really proud of this show and my only goal. My only goal has always been for it to to resonate and to hit home for those who need it most. So again, thank you so much for your support and let's get into today's episode, episode 102 with Gina Venetico. Gina, thank you so much for being willing to take the time out and chat with me today. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. So a little background as to how I know Gina. I don't actually recall how I found you on Instagram, but we're both in Chicago. And I loved your local approach to businesses in and around Chicago. I love all things beauty. So I was like, yep, following her right away. And um, I want to get into that in a minute. But 
then you had reached out to me via Instagram I think probably like a couple of months ago relating to a post that I had written on grief and sharing that you too have experienced loss and you move through your own grief. And that really is to me like the magic of social media. It connects people on a level that we may not get to otherwise, right? If we didn't have the space for relating, I would have had no idea that you and I, you know, while not exactly parallel, no grief experience is you know, we're kind of, and are kind of moving through the same thing. So I think that's pretty incredible. It really is. And that was the first time I actually like saw something on social media and connected with it. And mm. I was compelled to like comment and say something to you. Cause I was like, I just cannot walk away from this post without saying something back. Cause it touched me so deeply. And, um, yeah, I know you were a little more fresh when it comes to your loss. Um, so, you know, I think, the misunderstanding about loss is that it's um it's not always fresh you know it doesn't have to be fresh to feel fresh basically yes I cannot wait to dig into that because that could not be more true um so before we dive in can you give the listeners some background maybe for those who may not be familiar with you but just how you show up in the world and on the internet so like what lights you up what gets you heated and motivated to share (laughs) Um, Well, like as you mentioned, I do have a beauty page and I originally started it because I wanted to just kind of talk shit about what I either liked or didn't like. And um, what became, it started as a beauty review page, became uh, a way for the women and men of Chicago to know what is out there, where to go, who to see, um, and just kind of give my personal experience on services and what I think is worth the money and not. And it just became so much fun. And I connected with so many great people, including you. And I am so thankful that I started it and kept it up with it because at times I did not want to keep up with it. And uh, when I finally found what I was supposed to be doing on there, it was smooth sailing and it's been a great time ever since. Yeah, it's so awesome. You're doing like all of the hard work for us. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to. Being a guinea pig, hopefully. Yeah. Okay, so let's back up a bit. So can you maybe shine some light on where you're from and, like, a piece of what your childhood was like in a summary? Um, So I am from the Chicago suburbs, Morning Grove to be exact. Um, And, yeah, it was a very smooth childhood if there's one thing I always say, it's that I, I feel so blessed and lucky to have had the childhood I did and um, grew up in a community that always felt safe and a family that felt loving, protective, and had good friends around me and directing. That's really all sometimes you can ask for when it comes to a, a good childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. You yeah. weren't without. Without, no. Yeah. Very, yeah. very lucky there. For That's sure. amazing. So I take all these interviews to heart, but I have such a special place for episodes that focus on the grieving experience. It's been relatively new that I'm really starting to dive into other people's experiences um, where usually I've just been sharing my own. And I'm like, okay, now it's time to like really relate with other people and um, for the listeners to be able to hear from other people other than myself. So I have such a sweet spot for this topic because I know that talking about it can take a lot of gusto, if you will, like a lot of revisiting, sometimes something that you don't really want to. And so I just want to say, I know I said this before we started recording, but I do just want to say thank you so much. I think this is like so generous of you to be 
willing to crack yourself open with strangers um, so that they can learn and see and heal and feel understood by what you have to offer, which is your own experience. So thank you again so much for being willing. My pleasure. Yeah. So you lost your dad. Mm -hmm. Yes. So can you tell us about him? What was his name and what was he like? So, um, before I even answer that, I just have to tell you, so I started therapy this year and it's been 13 years since I lost my dad. And, um, I just started this year, like diving into what all those feelings that I ignored for 13 years. So when I started therapy, my therapist, um, I wasn't really ready to like quite talk about him yet. So when I finally was, it was probably like 10 sessions in Mm. and she's like, you know, I think we should talk about your dad if you're ready today. And the first question she asked me was, what was your dad like? And I could not get out two words without mm. falling. And yeah. right when you said that, like instantly just an emotion came up like, ugh, and I have tissues right next to me. Good. So Good. It, should be, it should be okay. Um, but it is such a hard question almost because it's like no one, when you've lost someone, rarely has anyone ever been like, what was that person like that you lost, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but back to your question, my dad's name, it was Paul Venetico. And um, he was just someone who everyone loved and could go to if they needed something and he would help if he could. And anyway, he was so hardworking. He was playful at times, but had a serious exterior and again, I apologize if you can hear my cat crying. No, it's okay. Right now. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's been like the hardest part is when I see um, family or friends of his, it's like, you can still feel like that hurt and loss from mm. his absence, basically. Um, and it really weighed heavy on so many people. And I think it's sad to see that but also somehow it reminds you hey like your parent was this wonderful person and touched so many people so um he really um yeah he was a special man yeah what a testament and that's so true I've never even thought about it that way but there is like a different kind of air and like a different sort of energy when you cross paths with anyone who knew him even if like it's not you like someone that you know very well, but if that person mm-hmm. knew him, it's like an energy exchange of like, ooh, yeah, like yeah, what absolutely. a loss. Yeah, that's so interesting. So how old, you said it was 13 years ago that you lost him. So how old were you? And do you mind sharing with us how he passed? Of course, no. Um, so I was 17. He was 57. And Young. he was diagnosed with lung cancer in – November of 2006 and December of 2006 and passed November of 2007. Um, So it was quick and it um, went to his brain. And that's like when, um, you know, when cancer goes to the brain, that's obviously never a good thing. And of course, some people definitely can make it out of it. Mm -hmm. And he had a really aggressive form of um, lung cancer. And so when it spread to his brain, it was kind of like um, probably two months from there that he passed. So mm. it was 11 months all said and done. So it was pretty quick. So I have a two-part follow-up question here. Yeah. So what was that like for your family as a whole? Do you have siblings? 
I do. I'm okay. the youngest. So okay, me too. Okay, so I'm really curious to hear in your own words sort of what that immediate loss, like when it happened, how did you guys cope with that new reality? Did you guys kind of come together? Did you have to go your separate ways to like really digest what had just happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, a ladder. <laughs> Yeah, so my, or I always mix that term up, former letter. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing you said. You had it right. <laughs> right. I'm always second guessing myself on those ones. Um, yeah, unfortunately, and you know, how you respond to a loss is there's no right or wrong way. But right. if I look back, I, I wish, um, you know, we had come together. But uh, like I said, I had two older siblings, and uh, we have a decent age gap so we were all I was 17 at the youngest and not that 17 is a baby but you know you still need to obviously check in with you know every age group to see how they're dealing with the loss and we all just kind of like shut down and did our own thing for a very very long time and um without getting too far into that question it it's something I regret today I wish um you know that was not the case and um yeah. 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 That that's so too. hard. I mean, it's honestly for anyone who's listening, who's like had that experience or might be presently going through or about to be going through the experience. It is so tricky. Um, I have those big age groups too. And I was the only one who like hadn't been married or had kids or like had those experiences with him. And so, you know, I'm fortunate that my siblings, you know, really turned to like, look at me and be like, are you Okay. You know, and, like, we all individually have, like, our own unique relationship with him as it happens, you know. Um, And it's so crazy that you don't prepare yourself for all of the different energetics that you have to, like, sort of make space for of, like, you're not the only person Mm -hmm. who lost someone when in your ego mind you're like, yes, I am. You know, like, no one can relate to me. Yeah. Well, I was chatting with my therapist yesterday. I had a session, you know, and that was like something that came up was um, my response to his death. And she was like, you know, I think one thing you have to realize is you were 17 and a 17 year old's brain is not even like built to no. cope with other people's feelings. Like you are the most selfish person on earth, not you, but every teenager. And um, how you act to protect yourself is totally fine and just to give yourself a little you know love to be like I did what I what I could do oh my gosh yes and like what you said earlier is there really is no right or wrong way you know it just is it's your experience yeah Yeah, I love that it just is yeah yeah so okay so then diving into that a little bit the second part of the question is what was this like for you individually as a 17 year old I'd be so interested to hear it in your own words what the loss of your dad felt like for you, both emotionally and logistically. So how it shifted and impacted your life directly. Um, so at the time I looked around me of these older people, my siblings and my mom who were just falling apart. And for whatever reason, I just felt like this responsibility to have it together for them. And that's kind of what I did. And I remember the day he passed, it was a Monday and I didn't go to school. And for whatever reason, I went back to school on a Friday that week. Like, 
Yeah. So I took the whole week off, just went back that Friday, and I was um, sent to the school therapist, and she was, you know, checking in with me as she should, and she was like, you know, these are the stages of grief, and uh, I just told her, I was like, I don't want to do that. And I was like, I just want to be okay, and I just want to keep going, and I, I look back at that, and I see, like, just a young girl trying to be strong and what I wish obviously I would have been more reciprocative to taking (laughs) taking the therapy and just talking out some of my feelings but for whatever reason I just felt this very strong responsibility to put on a you know a brave face and show everyone else like hey you know loss is normal and we're gonna be okay and that's kind of what I did for 13 years. And, um, I, I watched my mom, my brother, and my sister all go through those phases of, you know, grief, anger. Um, I wish I even knew all that. I'm like that new into this, like, I don't even even know, like all the stages you go through acceptance, mm-hmm. right. Um, them, I saw them all go through it. And then, you know, it wasn't honestly till this year that I was like, wait, I literally just skipped everything. And, try to put this you know sweep this under the rug as I've been saying lately with a lot of things um and it does not work that way Mm -hmm. not with loss it's going yeah it's not a matter of if but when it bubbles up to the surface and one thing I want to say and this is like a very blunt take that I have on the stages of grief and I say that with air quotes because it actually brings up a lot of frustration for me because it's just bullshit like the emotions that you feel in those stages are real but the fact that it's like something that we finish or like something that we complete when we get to like the seventh Mm -hmm. I talk about this all the time I'm like it's a freaking loop that is never going to end and they merge and they cross wires and like sometimes you're feeling them all at once and I'm like this is just I, I think it's a little dangerous to like try and tell people or teach people that like you go through these in a certain order because then when you're not going through those in a certain order you're like I'm doing this wrong I'm super fucked up totally right and that's the first time I've ever almost heard anyone say that you know for one that's a little outdated to say like these are the stages of grief and Yeah. yeah I don't think that should be determined like how you come to acceptance or Mm -hmm. just come to feeling okay at the very least Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just a forever thing I think you go through yeah Yeah. absolutely and like I remember for me and I'm sure you've I have to imagine I would be willing to bet a lot of money on this that you've heard someone say this to you but like it gets easier with time um and I remember like (laughs) oh yeah yeah and I always remember like clenching my fists and being like And now I'm at the point where I'm like, what I think that they meant to say is that um, it gets less triggering Mm -hmm. because there's nothing about this that is easy. It actually becomes like a full-time job that you just get so used to. Yeah. Right? But it really is like it's trigger, 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 trigger if you're awake to it, right? So if like you're numbing, obviously you're not really going to feel it, but... When you're awake to it, it is like a constant. You can't see another family with both parents, right? And not be. It's so annoying, but it's just this new normal, right? So I definitely don't think that it gets easier. I think it just gets a little bit more familiar, and you learn the tools Mm -hmm. that work for you. 
And you know what's interesting about that is because I think for myself, I'm so late in the game of like noticing my feelings surrounding my dad's death is yeah. um, I think in the what I would think when you're fresh and you're really like doing the work to be like, hey, I'm recognizing I'm feeling this way or um, being around this person gets me, you know, feeling whatever it may be. I think the blessing for me is now that like I've been out of this for 13 years, now I'm coming into um, this grieving stage almost, um, as an adult, but like, and I hate this word, but like a little more woke to just like understanding, um, what I just went through, but what I'm going through now, it's kind of like, you've been in therapy for a long time, which I haven't, but you're just able to like recognize human behaviors and stuff. But now I'm just able to recognize it in myself, which has been like pretty helpful, um, to say the least that I'm like, okay, I understand why, you know, look, seeing this person in my family just makes me feel this way. Like I get it. And I think if, um, I was trying to grieve fresh off his loss, Mm -hmm. that would have been like really upsetting to me or something, you know, there just would have felt very different. So, so you're saying basically that like, like you're almost grateful that you're doing this work now because you're so much more like self-aware and able to sort of handle what's coming up. Whereas if you were 17, Yes, much better said. I yeah, that is exactly what I'm trying to say. And um, yeah, not. I am grateful I'm going through it at all, to be honest, because I think it. Who knows how long it takes? Some people sometimes people never really fully do the work to you know. It's so true, and so true, and that's why I think it's so important to to talk about it and to like. I'm willing to be the guinea pig or the person who's like, oh, this is so hard to write, but I'll write it. Um, Because it makes me so sad that it's still considered somewhat of a taboo subject, like something that, like, you're not supposed to talk about or that you should be over by a certain period of time. You know, people are like, why is she still talking about that, you know? And I just am, like, not here for that. So. No. um, Love about what you do. Yeah. Oh, careful. Thank you. So <laughs> what triggers you back? This is a this is a blunt question, but and the answer might be you don't know yet, but what triggers you back into that state of mourning where you're like, I can't believe this fucking happened. Like I cannot believe that this is a piece of my story. It's a good question. Um I don't have a trigger for so much why did this happen but when I see my dad's brother I feel some type of way because they don't even look alike but they have the same hands Mm. hands I just like lose it but not outside I just like Mm -hmm. um, lose it inside because I'm like it feels like you're here if I just look at your hands it just feels like you're here and um who would have ever thought something as simple as someone's hands could just make you feel some type of way. And um, I think also because I started this journey during a pandemic, I haven't really um, had too much like outside, you know, interaction with anyone that could possibly other than other than my immediate family um, that would remind me, I guess, of certain things that might trigger me. So it will be interesting that, you know, one day, hopefully when the world is, open back up you know that that could be different for me but as of now yeah I don't don't have a specific on that so how was it moving through getting engaged was that tricky 
Um, well, that's um, kind of where this all came about mm. was, um, you know, we got engaged and that was so exciting and we were celebrating our engagement with friends and this was like two weeks before lockdown happened. So I'm thankful that we got to have that memory. But what ended up happening was, um, you know, I had a really good time and too much of a good time Mm -hmm. that I basically like blacked out. (laughs) And I haven't really shared this with anyone other than people close to me, but I think it's something I'd like to talk about because I would have never guessed this for myself. But in this blackout, I don't remember anything. And the only reason I know this is um, because I saw a video of myself. And um, all I remember before I blacked out was like looking around me and being so touched by like all my friends were there and celebrating mine and my fiance's engagement and our love and all these people with us that loved us. And I started like happy tears crying in a club, <laughs> mind mm-hmm. you. And, um, then the next thing I knew, I woke up the next day and what I found out was, you know, I was like in the fetal position crying in the dirt, basically outside of of our house. And, um, when I looked at this video, I literally saw just like a child, just Mm. inconsolable. And the last time I remember crying like that was the night my dad died. And I was like, holy shit, like that was the day I looked at a therapist and I was like, this is, this is rock bottom. And, um, needless to say that just was an eye opener of 13 years of just suppressed grief that, uh, was coming out and not in a good way, not in a way you'd want to remember a really great event, uh, in your life. So, you know, again, like no regrets. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, No, I mean, that was like a wake-up moment. There is no shame in that at all. Yeah, there's not. I really, if I felt shame in it, I wouldn't talk to you and any of your listeners about it. But it is just something that um, if I could tell someone, like, who's dealing with a loss, like, uh, and I have a few friends who have lost in the last couple years their parents, and I don't want to ever overstep my boundaries, but my, gosh, my first advice would be don't not talk about like find someone to talk to about this and don't stop talking until no I don't just don't stop talking about don't them, stop you talking know? Yeah. yeah oh my gosh that's it gave me so many chills it's so true and thank you so much for sharing that story because yeah. you're clearly not alone in that I can not my pro- proudest moment <laughs> yeah, no but you know and I can't pinpoint my moment where I was like, I need help. I can't breathe. I can't pinpoint what that looked like, but like, I know it wasn't pretty. Yeah. Right. And like when my mom, my, yeah. And my mom took a really long time to grieve her brother, like decades before this had happened with my dad. And I remember she has the same kind of story where she was like, I suppressed it for so long. And then you just can't, your body won't let you and your body keeps the score, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. it's going to come out some kind of way. You yeah. can't run from grief. That is oh, no. and probably a lot of other things, but I think that's something I just know for sure in life that yeah. is inescapable. Absolutely. So I want to talk about grief support for a minute. So can you recall the things that felt Again, I know you were 17, mm-hmm. but can you recall the things that felt really supportive and nourishing during those maybe first 
couple of years, like if you if you look back now on a time, even though you were suppressing yeah. those emotions, are there things that come to mind of like, mm, that hit right or that felt really good and supportive? Um, I would say for me, because I was so closed off to showing anyone that I was hurting and I didn't even feel like I was hurting. I just knew... I knew I, what I had done was just push back what my emotions were, but I didn't even understand like the emotions I was having. And, um, one thing I would do was just watch home videos. I think Mm. when I was like feeling some type of way, I would pop in a video and just like hearing my dad's voice was very, very comforting. And I would cry very seldom, but, um, when I would watch home videos, like that's when I would have, you know, a good cry sesh. And, um, I'd say the one person I did feel comfortable crying in front of was my best friend. And again, it was very rare that I did it, but I do recall, um, probably like a couple months after he had Mm -hmm. passed, like just again, that inconsolable crying I mentioned just earlier, like that was the type that had come out. And I don't even remember how it happened. I just remember like, bawling in her arms you know um so I think you know having someone not thinking I need many people but just one person to go to that can hold me tell me you know anything that's gonna be comforting in that moment that's that's special and not mm-hmm. something to take for granted so yeah yeah that's amazing <laughs> I could not agree more but also so then on the flip side what are some things that stand out? Let's talk about sort of like now in your in your adult life and now that you're really starting to do the work. Have you come across, whether it was your own direct experience or perhaps an experience that you were like overhearing or heard about or something um, that didn't hit right? I ask this because I get this question often of like, how do I support my friend or my partner or fill in the blank who's grieving? What do I say? What don't I say? Um And I have my answers, but I think it's really an important conversation to bring up and to dissect together within the grief community, if you will. Sort of like those things of like, don't say that. Yeah. Oh, well, I will say all things that I would literally just, my skin would crawl if someone said to me, I have said myself. Yeah. And um, I think it's, it's so funny because you experience loss and I think people think you have the answers because you've experienced loss yourself Mm -hmm. of, you know, how am I supposed to deal with this and what should I say here? And I have, um, not been very helpful in that department when someone has asked me to be honest. I remember my childhood friend's dad was passing, um, earlier last year or 2019. And I've, I've known their family my whole life. And is her mom was like, how do I, how do I go on without him? Like, what am I supposed to do? And all these hitting questions. And I just looked at her. I was like, I, I couldn't get a word out. I was like, I, I don't know. And mm-hmm. I just hugged her. And like, that was my only way of showing her, Hey, like, I, I don't have an answer for you, but like, I, I can be here like in some way for you. I can't show up in this way that you're asking me to show up, but I can give you a hug. And I think yeah. if we, we want to like, give answers to people when we don't have them. So I think the one way that we can be supportive and not offend is just 
being there in the way you know that person will respond. Whether it's like, I'm just sitting next to you and I'm going to let you cry. I'm going to hold you while you cry. I'm going to check in with you, text you, call you. I think just showing up is like the best way you mm-hmm. can just be there for someone who's lost. And I'd love to know what yours are because yeah. I don't have good ones. I don't well, think. first, I want to just acknowledge what you shared, though, like yours. I mean, I actually think that that's really profound. It's like not trying to fix it and not acting like you can. I think that can be one of the most frustrating things is like, again, you could have said like, it will get easier or like, we will get through this. It's like, stop. (laughs) Like, I know that those are like the nice things to say and like, God, I hope you're right. Mm -hmm. But deep down, like as human beings, that isn't, that isn't what we want because this can't be fixed. This is just our present and future ache, you know? And I think you just being like, I don't know. And so something that I've done that was helpful for me. So a childhood friend had lost her dad like seven years before I lost mine. Mm -hmm. And so when it happened, I remember she reached out to me immediately and was like, this is fucking terrible. And I just could not be more sorry. What a loss. And that was it. That was it. You know? And I was just like, the, the, compassion and the calling out of how terrible it was was something that just made me feel so seen and not in like the way of like look at me look at me but like no oh my god somebody gets it yes like sit in the mud with me yes is kind of sometimes all you want is like sit in the mud with me you know and so yeah like we just had a friend that lost her dad somewhat suddenly and it took me two weeks to text her because I was like first I don't know if it's my own discomfort coming up um it's bringing up stuff for me but also like you do want to give someone space to process because I mean I know you were 17 at the time but I can speak from my experience being 28 that I was like overrun with text messages and that's really lovely but also at the same time you're like oh my gosh yeah. Overwhelming, I would yeah. imagine. And the best ones were, they began with, do not reply to this. Yeah. They let you off the hook. Like, yes. yeah. Um, and I just remember reaching out to her and just saying, like, this is one of the worst aches. And I am so heartbroken that this is your new reality. And I'm here to sit in the mud with you when you need it. Period. The end. You know, it, like, yeah. and I think that's kind of like, the, the takeaway for anyone who hasn't gone through it or who has somebody who is and they're just like, what the fuck do I do? It's really about, I think, <laughs> getting as on their level as you can. You don't want to imagine something like that for yourself, but really trying to be like, what would I need in this moment? Or at my worst, what have I needed? Yes. Um, and, like, I have good friends who I, like, have reached out to them. And it, you have to take responsibility for what you need to even when you're, like, in deep mourning. But I remember saying, like, we have to keep talking about him or I will die. I can't not talk about him. It makes it feel like he's gone. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, like, he's wiped out. And that's not that's not how I feel. Mm-hmm. And so I have good friends that, like, I know put his date in their calendars. You know, they're, like, really good about, like, texting me every year and – the best yeah it's just so thoughtful really is and I have friends like that family and it's not everyone but it is like the best thing to see that Mm -hmm. text or call from 
through on his anniversary just to acknowledge like I'm thinking of you and your family mm-hmm. and him and you know if they write a sweet message or memory about him like oh it's just the best thing and yep. those people are not to be taken for granted who no. will go out of their way to make sure you feel like this person did exist and I'm not crazy like I, mm-hmm. I know he existed but for everyone else and I think they do it out of I suppose they're trying to protect you from feeling hurt, but really I think spot on the best, one of the best things you could do is acknowledge that loss and keep acknowledging it, but not in a way that's like daunting seen all the time. Right. <laughs> like talk about that person yeah. and share those memories. It's mm-hmm. really important because if you don't keep their memory alive, then mm-hmm. you could do it, but it's, it's so special when you have people around you who want to do it absolutely I mean even like if I post a picture on Instagram like sometimes not all the time but sometimes people who knew my dad will be like oh my god you look so much like your dad in that photo Uh and I'm like oh that hits for it isn't that the sweet like I never thought I looked like my dad and then literally a couple months ago I look at this picture and I'm like oh like that's him I'm me wow (laughs) (laughs) I'm his kid yeah everyone tells me I look like my mom but I saw it and it was just like this very sweet Mm. reminder like oh okay you know it's so good. I'm, he's coming through in me, you know? Mm-hmm. So yes, with you know. your experience with therapy, since it's somewhat new, yeah. how are you able to sort of seek out support now that you've started that therapy process? Like, do you feel like on your own you're able to dig a little bit deeper into, like, how you want to start healing those pieces? Are you kind of seeking out other types of support? Or are you kind of just, like, on this trajectory of, like, therapy once a week, I'm going to do this work, I'm going to see what comes up, and then I just sort of need to, like, retract and be mm-hmm. with myself? That's a really good question. Um, I more so dedicate therapy, unless there's something in the moment I need to talk about. Like, um, I, I try to dedicate it to talking about him because I think she'll, my therapist does a really good job and, and you do too. I can see you being a therapist. By oh, the way. You. <laughs> Just like asking these really great questions that you wouldn't have thought to like ask yourself about mm-hmm. the person you've lost. But, um, what I've noticed has happened since I started therapy was this comfort in talking about my dad with people I didn't normally talk about him with. And, um, one of them being my fiance and not to say I didn't talk about my dad with him um but not even close to the amount I'll bring up stories or um you know and he'll do a really good job also of kind of recapping what I went through in therapy if I talked about my dad that day with you know do you want to talk about anything and Mm. that's been something I think that has oh that's so sweet you know yeah brought us closer and he didn't know my dad Uh, you can get that you know a lucky privilege to meet this man so it's something I think um that makes him feel like you know I I I understand who this man was who he was to you and who he could have been to me had he been here today um so that's been um oh. something really nice it makes me like, well up I know me that. too <laughs> that's so sweet yeah so shoot. <laughs> yeah yeah so that that's helpful yeah Well, it's so interesting, too. Like, I I honestly, like, to all the listeners, I didn't know anything about Gina's experience. Um, I had no idea that she had, you know, suppressed kind of facing her grief um, up until this point. And I just think it's so interesting how how drastically different, yet so intensely the same, you know, that experience 
can be because, you know, like right after my dad died, I mean, I probably slept and didn't eat for like a month. And then I was like, oh my God, I need to seek him out immediately. Like I went to a grief therapist who did like hypnosis. Oh, wow. And I know. And I saw my dad in like a hypnosis state. It was crazy. And then I was like, I need to see mediums. Like I went into like almost like this desperate hunt to be like, find proof that like he's not really gone. You know, like I needed that so badly and I still tap into mediums here and there, but I've been working on just trying to stay so incredibly open to everything Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's when I have like the clearest dreams where he'll visit or I won't feel so trapped and isolated by his loss. Right. And I'm, I'm able to really see like the bigger picture that pain actually can be turned into purpose. And that purpose being like having these conversations that are candid and open and honest. And I wonder if on that note, you've had any of those experiences, especially since starting therapy, or if you've had like any dreams or anything that just feels like, Ooh, kind of like out of the ordinary, like feeling him around. Well, first of all, I want to hear more about this hypnosis. It was amazing. so interesting. Yeah. We'll talk later. <laughs> I have an episode I recorded on it, actually. I'll send it to you. Yeah, please do. I yeah. want to hear so much about this. I've always kind of like been curious about more so like the medium part mm-hmm. of that. I never even thought you could go see um, hypnotist. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. That's crazy. I awesome. can hook you up with all the resources. Please do. Please I will. Do. I'll take all the help I can get these things. <laughs> um, but that is something that I've noticed has been really interesting since seeking therapy is, um, before I rarely dream of my dad. And when I did, I couldn't talk in the dream and he would be there. And again, like I would try and be talking to him and nothing would have come out. So I would literally just like grab him. And again, there's this theme here, this inconsolable child that just is like bawling in his arms. And that would be like, the only dreams I would have. And again, pretty rare. And now when I dream about him, he's just there. Like mm-hmm. he's being himself. He's at a family party. Um, and I'm just like observing him in the dream always. And I mm-hmm. look at him and I'm like, I know this is a dream. Cause I, I'm, and I do remember before I would look at him in the dreams and be like, wait, did you didn't really die. Okay. Yeah. Like this is so, so weird. Real. Like I have to tell people. And again, I couldn't talk. So I'd be like, okay, I can't tell anyone that you're still alive, but like, I'm just going to hold you and like not let you go. And now, yeah, it's, it's interesting that, um, with just a little, I think therapy and recognition of my own feelings that I'm like in my dream, I can even be like, okay, like I'm going to enjoy this time I have with you here. Cause I know Sorry, don't be sorry no yeah uh-huh. that's yeah. The, that's the time that you're getting is in that dream and you're like I'll take it totally I'll yeah. take it oh sister I feel you so much yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and so like there is and I don't I don't mean to speak for you but it is like almost <laughs> like, like <laughs> please do it almost is like that desperate energy that that's why I love the word ache so much because it is just like this ache of like more time make that more real like why can't this fucking be tangible it's so painful yeah but such 
a privilege to be able to, and I'm so happy for you that you're like in this space now where you can like have those dreams because you talk to anyone who is dealing with their grief head on. We're all having dreams. We're all having dreams. It's just a matter of like, do we want to acknowledge them? Is it too painful? Or are we at the stage where we can have those dreams and be like, oh my God, this is like magical and so excruciating all at once. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you'd rather have those than oh, none at all. Yeah. That's the thing. And I know my mom, she, and I haven't asked her this in a long time, but she would say, she's like, he never really like, comes to me in my dreams. And that's mm-hmm. like the saddest part of this is I just want to see him, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know I'll be curious to kind of follow up and see if that's something that's still the same with her. But yeah. Yeah. And that's happened to my mom too. And to me too, it's like not constant, you know? And I think that's kind of what I was saying before of like, I'm really doing the work to, I haven't had to actively work at my grief as much. And I think it's probably because I write about it a lot or I talk about it a lot on Instagram and whatever. But I think for me, it's like when I am actively tending to that part of myself, whether that's like meditating or journaling or whatever, I literally feel like I am like opening my mind to be like, there's room for you to come in when I go to sleep. Yeah. Because yeah. oftentimes I think we are just closed off from it and we don't even know it. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. And I think the, the more you can do it, the better. And just anything at all. Like I think, um, just, therapy for me for one like opened that up but then not that I'm very good at it but like occasionally journaling mm-hmm. um even that that has been really helpful and I don't always love looking back at what I journaled but it mm-hmm. can just be a reminder of hey you know I was feeling this way about whatever it was but if it's specifically around like my dad you know I can just see the difference from right when I started therapy mm-hmm. and how I felt like you know I can't even talk about him without not even knowing what I'm really feeling, but today, fast forward, like I understand much better why I'm that feeling is surrounding him or even my family, because we're all directly affected by that. And, you know, things have happened since he's passed that, um, have, I would attribute them to his loss and how it's affected our family. So it is just, you know, I think so important to either talk to someone or put it out in journal or something just to to get it out there well and something too that I want to just like shed some light on for the listeners is I think like your situation specifically you know it's been 13 years and that's kind of a trigger for me too is when someone's like when I have to answer how long it's been I'm like very protective of it because I'm like seven years it doesn't feel like seven years. You know, that's like what I want to say is like, for the record, it feels like it was yesterday. I don't know why I get so like heated about that because I think like these numbers and like the years that just like separate, it makes people think that you're totally okay. Like you've had this loss and that's terrible, but like, oh, I don't need to like dwell on this with you or we don't need to sit in the mud together because like you've you've probably got it figured out and I think it's really kind of beautiful and I hope it's okay that I'm saying that but like 13 years into this and I know you're doing like a lot of the work now but it doesn't mean that you haven't been grieving since you were 17 and to be where you are now and still these emotions come up and this pain comes up like just for everyone who's listening I just 
like Gina's experience is such a testament to the fact that it doesn't go away. It's like a forever ache that like yeah you live with. No time for sure. It is linear. It's totally linear, and it deserves a place to land because how else are we supposed to survive if? We're just supposed to, like, suppress and act like after a certain amount of time, you don't need to talk about it anymore, you know? And I can't agree more with you, but I also do think um, how people deal with loss is such a generational thing, you know? And um, that attitude of, it's been this long, like, you're fine. That is very much, um, I think, our parents' generation of how they deal with grief. And I think however you protect yourself from... Mm -hmm feeling hurt I I don't think there's any wrong or I think there is a wrong way but in the moment like you were right to do what you thought you had to do absolutely um yeah kind of just going back to what I was saying about just having some compassion for yourself and if you know Mm -hmm. you start your journey and it's been 30 years since you lost someone like it's it's not too late like Mm -hmm. there's always today and Mm -hmm. it's to start than not at all absolutely yeah I'm I'm so glad you said that yeah the self-compassion part is so so crucial and important and yeah I I appreciate that follow-up because I certainly do not want anyone to feel like I'm saying like grieve right when it happens because that's the healthy way like again (laughs) this is a shit show grief is such a shit show it's a matter of yeah, just really following yourself, you know? It's like it took you this long to get to therapy and you're doing it and you're cracking through things and, like, that's amazing. I was desperate out of the gates. Also probably not the healthiest, quote-unquote, like, how I was responding, you know? It's like there is no wrong way. It's just a matter of, like, giving yourself permission. hmm Yeah. Something I've heard some people say is, um, you know, it's been X amount of years and I still can't talk about this person without crying. Like, well, why do you not have to cry? Like that is just an emotion attached to a feeling or an action attached to a feeling. Um, But it's just so silly because it's like, that is just the most human thing you could do. If you are upset, sad, anything like tears are normal and it shouldn't be something that is off putting to, you know, however you're feeling basically right yeah I always try and remind myself like you have to feel it to heal it yeah you know it's like a purging of sorts if you will <laughs> like if I'm not gonna cry now it's gonna come out later in yeah. some other way <laughs> so yes. Yes. you know that's to that one yeah uh, so now that you are in therapy and you're like a little bit more aware of how this is like showing up for you have you um created or formed or found any sort of like healing rituals or systematic ways of coping or just like even just comforting yourself oh man it could be something so little like you're just feeling like oh how do you feel when you're done with therapy are you sort of like oh I feel free or are you like I need to go work out or I need to organize my closet (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, like, I hope my boss doesn't listen to this, but I do therapy during the workday just because it kind of works out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what's nice is, uh, like I mentioned, I'll usually recap therapy with my fiance. So that's always something yeah. I think that is really helpful. Um, but usually I'm kind of like, 
got to get back to work. Yeah. So I don't take the time for myself um, to really think about what just was talked about. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's where I can be better about journaling later that day just to like, you know, because mm-hmm. for me, I have a terrible memory. And something interesting I learned was I used to think I had a really good memory um, prior to losing my dad. And one of the first things we talked about in therapy was how trauma affects your memory and you aren't able to retain certain things very well. And I can definitely say that is true for myself, Mm -hmm. but just if I was better at journaling, I think, um, and I need to force myself to be, because I think that's where I can, again, as I mentioned, like look back and be like, Hey, like, this is what we talked about today. This is how I felt. This is a little, you know, breakthrough I had. And, um, if it was like really impactful, like I'll remember it, but for like the minor details, I definitely will not. Yeah. So yeah, unfortunately I don't do too much, but I think again, just recapping it and talking through it has been really helpful. Oh my gosh. That self-projection, you know, like taking what you had that day or learned that day and like being able just to like put it on a sounding, put it against a sounding board is so helpful. That is not nothing. I think that is so helpful. What, um, what keeps you or what is like your hold up with journaling? What's your block? Um, something about it. Like it's, it reminds me of like reading. Like I don't Mm -hmm. love to read, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of feels more like a chore than Mm -hmm. a self care thing. And the thing is, it, it reminds me of working out. Like I never, workout and then after my workout I think like I regret that you know and same with journaling I would never like write something out and spill my heart out and be like I wish I didn't put that to paper <laughs> yeah. you know I feel worse up. yeah yeah and I think um it's just kind of um, some kind of mental block I have that it's yeah. not fun and it's time for me to be vulnerable yeah and um, especially if it's like I was already vulnerable in therapy that day it's yeah, I'm like, exhausted it's exhausting right yeah, yeah. something because I I mean I journal all the time, like pages. It's a problem. I I have too much on my brain. But when I would get in bouts of that, of being like, I don't want to do this, but like I need to hit pen to paper and I don't mean to give unsolicited advice. I just want to drop this and let it fall where it may for you, for anyone is just doing like a brain dump and it didn't really have to make sense, but just little bullet points of like, yeah, one thought, one thought. And not like this trail of like, cause sometimes I would be like, Oh, this doesn't make any sense. Or I have to like, recap a story I don't want to yeah where I would just be like I don't care just get it out of my head and just Mm -hmm. do like little it's not a sexy word to do a brain dump but you know no I like that though because that's a good way to kind of just like quick recap yeah and yeah like making a grocery list right yeah (laughs) grocery list of feelings yeah what would you say is the biggest thing that you're own personal grief has taught you? Oh, um, I kind of like this saying for a lot of things, but for grief specifically is you're right on time. And if, you know, you are 13 years out, 20 years out, two months, whatever it is, like it was how it was supposed to work out for you. And, um, I like thinking of that saying for life as well. Um, when we're comparing ourselves to others, it's like, no, this is your journey and everything's a learning experience and grief itself is a learning experience. So I, I think that's kind of how I look at it is, you know, there's no wrong time to start and yeah, 
Wow. I love that. I am, I feel like I just want to like text that to all of my sisters and be like, I just had this conversation and this is what she said. That's so good. It's so simple, but it's like so profound for those who really need to hear that. Yeah. So if you could say you, well, this might tie into it, but if you have a different, different answer, if you could say one thing to someone who's listening to this, either living alongside their own grief journey or um, supporting someone through theirs, what would you want to say to them? Um, either or, if it's your own grief or supporting someone, just show up in a way mm-hmm. that is going to be comforting to yourself or to that person. And I think that is so personal to each person. So it really is all about knowing yourself and knowing the person who needs that support. And if you don't know what to do, um, I think let them talk and for yourself, just start talking. Mm -hmm. I love that so much to just show up because truly, even if someone isn't ready, they're never ever, ever going to forget or hold it against you that you kept showing up. And like you said, there is like a graceful balance of how to do that. You can just be there. And if you're like, I don't, if you in your head, going back to what we talked about, if you in your head are like, I don't know what to say, sometimes that's beautiful to say out loud to someone you're supporting. I don't know what to say. Yeah. This is fucked. I don't know what to say. No one will be upset with your honesty. No. No. It's like, I'd rather you not say anything. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, don't try and find the words for us for this. It's just, (laughs) oh my gosh. Those things are stupid. At the end of the day, everyone has good intentions behind those. Oh, yeah. So It's just about being a little bit more mindful and aware. You know, yes, like you said, the intentions are always so generous and lovely. It is something that does, I think, that society needs to pay attention to. I think it's it's worth it. It can really aid someone or turn someone off in yeah. their healing. And so I think it's definitely important to, to speak out loud, you know. This is cringy, but uh, it was a few years ago. Someone, I can't remember specifically who, passed, but I googled like what do you say to someone who is lost mm-hmm. no and I, I know i i know but like those things were all that we were talking about like all of those things are on there like it'll be okay um <laughs> you know things get better with time. like those were all on like these recommendations oh to gosh. say to people um so it is my mission to rewrite those <laughs> <laughs> hope your seo search is really good. <laughs> My my partner my partner is an SEO wizard. I'm gonna be like, let's do this. <laughs> let's get this into the internet. Oh my gosh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here and for being so open and lovely and honest and just so raw with your own experience. I truly am so grateful, and I know it's gonna help so many people. Honestly, this was very therapeutic. I feel like I got two therapy sessions in one week. So. Yes, I love that so much. Yes, thank you. For awesome. Me. Of course, anytime. So there you have it, such an expansive and touching interview centered around the grieving experience. As I like to say, grief is tragic, but it really is also magic. It's both. It does so much to our insides, our souls, our spirits, our daily rhythms, and the aches are brutal. They're so real, but when we give it air, when we give those aches somewhere to land, we not only give ourselves the space to continue to heal, right? We 
hopefully help others in the process and we keep our loved ones alive. We speak their names. If you or someone you know would like to come on the podcast and to share your own grief story, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can email me directly at hello at thecalmcollective.com or you can fill out the contact form on my website, www.thecalmcollective.com. This is all listed in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here. And if you feel called to do so, please make sure to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss an episode. And if you also feel called, you can leave a rating and review over on iTunes. It is such a lovely and supportive way to support this podcast and to help it organically grow so that it lands in the laps of those who might need it most. We'll see you back here next week.